Welcome back to What's Next, Living Longer, Better, Smarter. In this edition, Medicare, Your Money, and the Inflation Reduction Act. And this episode is made possible by AARP, empowering people to choose how they live as they age. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Mary Furlong. Hi, Mary. Hi, Fred. We have another exciting and really important podcast in store for everyone today. We do, and we have a couple of exciting and important guests with us from AARP Executive Vice President and Chief Advocacy and Engagement Officer, Nancy Lamond. Hi, Nancy. Hey, great to be here with everybody. And from the Kaiser Family Foundation, the Program on Medicare Policy Executive Director, Trisha Newman. Hi, Trisha. Hi, thank you for having me here. Hi, Tricia. Let's give our audience a bit more information about the foundation and its mission. Great. Okay. Well, we are um, a California-based organization. We're a nonprofit organization. We're actually going by KFF right now because we're not technically a foundation. Uh, But what we do do is we focus on national health policy issues. We do policy analysis. We do polling. And you may know about our um, new service, KHN, which produces information about policy at the um, national and state level. That's kind of our big picture. Such (laughs) important roles. Uh, Nancy, the prescription drug provisions included in the Inflation Reduction Act are a real game changer for older adults. What benefits can people expect to see? Well, you're right. The prescription drug provisions included in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act will deliver significant, potentially life-saving, life-changing savings to millions of Americans who are struggling with their medication today. Under the new law, Medicare will finally be able to negotiate the prices of some drugs, and drug companies will be penalized if they raise prices in Medicare higher than the rate of inflation. This one-two punch gets to the heart of the problem we've been fighting to solve for decades, skyrocketing drug prices. By leveraging its purchasing power, Medicare will be able to get a better deal for the 50 million beneficiaries with prescription drug coverage and a better deal for American taxpayers. But that's not all, happily. There's gonna be a $2,000 limit on what Medicare beneficiaries have to pay out of pocket for their prescriptions. This is huge. In 2020, 1.3 million seniors spent more than the new maximum of $2,000 out of pocket. So that's more than 1 million Americans who won't have to worry about how they pay for their prescriptions that cost them now thousands of dollars a year. And what they do have to pay can be spread out over the course of the year making it easier to balance their drug costs with other financial responsibilities. Additionally, that's not all, additional (laughs) co-pays for insulin will be capped at $35 a month. One third of Medicare beneficiaries have diabetes and more than 3 million use insulin. In 2020, these folks were paying on average $54 a month, an amount that's increased close to 40% just since 2007. And now they'll have lower costs and peace of mind that the cost of their medication that they need to live won't keep going up and up. Now, this sounds so great to so many people really going to change lives. And they wonder, okay, when is this going to happen? When are we going to see these changes? 
Well, consumers can expect to see some important changes right away with other provisions rolling in over the next couple of years. It's gonna take a little bit of time to implement this. So for example, starting in January, vaccines to protect against shingles, hepatitis and tetanus will be free. There will also be a $35 a month cap on insulin and drug companies will begin to pay those fines if they raise prices faster than inflation. In two years time, the most people on Medicare will have to pay out of pocket for their prescription drugs will be 2000 a year. And starting in 2026, Medicare beneficiaries will begin to see an impact from price negotiations. Terrific. Tricia, what are some examples of drugs that uh, Medicare will be able to negotiate the price of? And how will these negotiations work? Well, that is sort of the million or billion dollar question, isn't it? There's a lot of speculation about which drugs will be on the list. And the good news is we'll know about a year from now, because under this new law, the government is required to produce the list of drugs that will be subject to negotiations by within a year from now. So all nobody needs to guess. We will know soon enough. But it, what we do know is it will be among the highest spending drugs in Medicare, either drugs that are purchased at the pharmacy, known as Part D drugs, or drugs that are uh, covered under Part B, which can be very expensive. These are drugs taken by very sick people for conditions like cancer, uh, those drugs too will be on the list. So there will be a list that comes out. The first list will only be part D drugs because that's, the, that's how this program is rolling out. And uh, the secretary will begin a process working with drug companies to develop what they call a fair price. And that will involve information about um, is this an innovative drug? Is this a drug that um, will really be a breakthrough relative to other drugs that are on the market? Uh, what else do we know about how much was invested in this drug? So there's a lot of information that will come to bear. But I should point out that there are also a lot of exemptions. There was a lot of thought given to which drugs would be on the, the list of negotiated products. So if there's a generic avail available or a biosimilar, it's not going to be negotiated. Um, drugs get some time to be on the market before they're negotiated. One of the exemptions is for drugs that have at least nine years, and in some cases, 13 years, following FDA approval before they are marketed. So the secretary will sort of go through a checklist, starting with what are the highest spending drugs and, and pulling out the ones that won't be um, subject to negotiations and the process will begin. And then the first year of negotiated prices taking effect will be 2026. And so that's you know not tomorrow, but just a few years from now. Still in all, uh, lots of progress. What impact might this have on the future of Medicare? Uh, we keep hearing about the things looking dire. Does it, does it shore up the program's solvency in any way? Uh, you know, I would say its biggest impact is that it really provides a lot of help to people. I mean, I think first and foremost, those people are spending, you know, extraordinary amounts on their drugs and are worried about annual increases in their prices. This is, this helps people and this helps uh, diabetics who are concerned about the price of insulin on, if they're on Medicare. It does reduce the growth in Medicare spending on drugs by more than $200 billion 
and that's important and significant and it lowers cost to Medicare. But it doesn't address what I think you're really asking about is what are the long-term financing challenges facing Medicare? Those are big questions that have been put off for another day. Uh, Nancy, this has been a top priority for ARP and your members and volunteers for a long time. Um, can you tell us about the critical role that ARP played in getting this legislation across the finish line? It's well, really market leading. Right? Well, for sure, we've been at it for decades. AARP and our 38 million members have had prescription drug reform as a top advocacy priority. Uh, battling the deep pockets of big pharma and the prevailing political winds. Um, frankly, few people thought it could be done, uh, but thanks to the persistence of our members, our volunteers, our activists, and our staff, we were able to secure this victory, uh, frankly, by having real people keep pressure on Congress. Our members and our volunteers sent millions of emails and petitions to lawmakers and made hundreds of thousands of phone calls urging them to act. Um, we also told real stories of older adults who were forced to choose between basic necessities and the life-saving medication they needed to survive, like Larry Zarzecki. Uh, you may have seen him in our, uh, in our TV commercials. Larry was forced to sell his home to pay for the medicine that he needs every single day for Parkinson's disease. Um, and together we were able to create a collective voice uh, that I believe in these times, um, in these times of focus on healthcare and these times of um, high inflation, a, a collective voice that was really too loud to be ignored. Uh, this victory belongs to our members, our volunteers, our activists and, and, our, and our staff. Uh, they all raised their voices and they've been heard. And it wasn't easy. There was plenty of pushback. <laughs> That's very That's true. true. <laughs> In a similar vein, Tricia, can you speak to what KFF has been seeing over the years from a public opinion standpoint in your research and polling on prescription drug reform? I think our, our polling numbers just add numbers to the story that Nancy just told in that this is a pocketbook issue. People feel this issue when they go to the pharmacy. So 83% of people who we polled said they think the cost of prescriptions is unreasonable. 26% said it was very difficult for them to afford the cost of their medications. So this isn't some random policy that people don't can't feel in touch. Every time they go to the pharmacy, they know exactly what they're being charged. And so many of us know somebody close to us who's taking a very expensive medication and is really feeling the pain and having to make tough choices. So even if many of us are taking me medications we can afford, we know someone who is really being hit hard. So first of all, our polling shows there is a real problem. We then have done, we've done polling on a lot of the policy options. And what we have found is a large majority of the public support most of the, all of the policies actually, that Congress put in the Inflation Reduction Act. And interestingly, we found bipartisan support. So we found independents, Republicans, Democrats, all saying, yeah, this is something that's very important to them and they want Congress to do something about it. So these are popular proposals, even when we pushed back on some of the arguments that the pharmaceutical industry has been using. In the end, people wanted to see something happen 
And I think legislators kind of had a sense of that. I will say, and this is something that's a little bit troubling, um, is that right now in the, we just did a poll where we asked people, did they know about this? And the majority of people don't know that people on Medicare can get insulin for $35 as a result of this law. A majority of people don't know that Congress finally passed a bill that would allow the administration to negotiate drug prices or did something about inflation or adding this very important cap on out-of-pocket spending. So while there was there is a lot of support to do something, and for these ideas in particular, there's not a lot of uh, knowledge out there about what's in the what has now become the law of the land. And um, I, that's probably a disappointment to Democrats who thought this would be very important to their voters in the midterm. Well, I certainly told my friends, because we all have someone we know who has been impacted about this, but um, we do need to get the communication out and get it out far and wide. Uh, Nancy, back to you for one more. Uh, now that this legislation has passed, what role will AARP continue to pay, play to advance the issue of prescription drug availability? Well, um, as both you and Tricia pointed out, job one is for us to continue educating older Americans about these new policies. Um, and I, I should say, I, I, I always follow KFF's polling. It's the most consistent and best political polling on, uh, on healthcare around. Uh, so when they're telling us that we have more to do in terms of education, we certainly listen. Um, we are continuing our education efforts. We've been hosting national and state teletown hall meetings with members of Congress to share information uh, and answer questions from their constituency. We'll continue that. I think after the election, we'll have a little bit more opportunity to break through. Right now, there are just so many uh, kind of noises out there. Uh, but we and others have to continue this education effort. We're going to use all of AARP's powerful communications channels, the bulletin, uh, which goes to 38 million people, social media, email blasts, and, and direct mail. But this is a huge effort, and uh, we and others are going to have to do an awful lot. Um, second, we are very focused on implementation. I always joke that most organizations in Washington, D.C. are built to do how a bill becomes a law, and very few are built to do how a law becomes reality. And happily, we're built to do both. And so we'll be very focused on the kind of important parts with uh, CMS and HHS on how these drug provisions are enacted in a way to keep consumers top of mind so they don't have to jump through 100 hoops in order to get their, uh, get their medications. Um, third, we're going to continue our state advocacy work to lower prescription drug prices. Um, this somehow got lost, I guess, the day the IRA passed, but our efforts this past year were at both the state and federal level. And we've made a lot of progress in the states and we're going to continue to. Affordability boards, which have the ability uh, and authority to evaluate high cost drugs and make recommendations on what state and local governments should be paying for, uh, have passed in a number of places, including Maryland, Washington, Colorado, some other states. Um, and we're also working to assist in the enactment of laws limiting out-of-pocket expenses on drugs, particularly uh, insulin. As you may know, 20 states have already uh, passed legislation in that area. And there continues to be, uh, again, to Tricia's point about how, uh, how, how much 
doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, independent, you support that there's just a lot of momentum for continued work at the state level. And then last, but certainly not least for us, um, we're gonna continue the fight against big pharma. We know that the drug companies will try to weaken or even repeal the new pricing reforms. Uh, this remains a top focus for us and we'll continue to leverage the very powerful voices of our members, um, our volunteers and our activists uh, to once again, uh, uh, put up a stop sign when it comes to the efforts to repeal. And you've got some great people working at the state level through your through your organization. We do. We have, as many people know, we have offices in every state, uh, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the district, uh, and uh, uh, Puerto Rico and Virgin Islands. And uh, we've done work on prescription drugs in the last few years, almost everywhere. Um, it's just, again, speaking to Tricia and KFF's polling, uh, it's an issue that no matter where you live, no matter who you are, um, you're very concerned about the cost of your prescription drugs. I guess one of the issues with, with education, if we can just throw this out, is that when you have legislation that kicks in over a period of time, you know, the public might tend to ignore it, the media might tend to ignore it until it actually takes effect. So this is going to take a bit of time for people to realize just how beneficial all of this is, right? I think that's fair. I mean, as Nancy pointed out, there's some of the provisions that are rolling out now and will roll out in 2023. The out-of-pocket cap that got a lot of attention, which is the $2,000 cap that starts in 2025, it's actually been advanced to 2024 in that it phases in. So while it's not going to $2,000 in 2024, it's going to be about $3,200 which is, you know, it's a high amount. It's a lot of money to spend $3,200 on your drugs. But I know people who with Part D were spending more than $10,000 on their drugs. So dropping that, you know, just over a year from now is really an important step forward for people with big expenses. But you're right, you know, if you're not among the people who take insulin, who see the cap, or you get surprised when you go to get your shingle shot and go like, huh, it's free, that's fantastic you may not realize the benefits of the legislation. Um, and I will say, picking up on what Nancy was talking about, about moving forward, one of the provisions that got dropped in the end was help for people with their insulin costs if they were not on Medicare. That was a very important provision because of course, of course, people of all ages are, are paying for insulin and that was struck from the final package um, on the Senate floor. So I could see more interest in the future um, in pushing that at the federal level, just as there may be uh, attention at efforts that people are talking about to repeal what's already there. Could go in both directions. Well, Fred, Fred, you point out something that's important for all of us, that the job is never done. And uh, we have to continue to educate folks, make people aware of various benefits, uh, particularly as they arrive. And we'll be doing that. Uh, I personally will be getting my free shingles shot on the 2nd of January um, and uh, uh, trying to encourage all my friends to. Uh, but again, it, it's very important that we, we continue the drumbeat on education over the next few months and then throughout the period as there are opportunities to raise it. And we know that HHS, CMS, as they implement this are also looking 
for those opportunities. This is uh, Medicare enrollment season, um, and uh, there's a lot of education going on during, during that phase as well. I think we also want to be focused on disinformation yeah. and making sure that people get good information. One of the issues that came up and has come up is the concern that the drug law, the, the Inflation Reduction Act, would have the effect of discouraging research and development and breakthrough drugs wouldn't come to market. The Congressional Budget Office took a very careful review of that question. And what they said is, yeah, we're anticipating 1,300 new drugs over the next 30 years. And about a dozen of those would not come to market or will not come to market in their best estimate as a result of this law. That's less than, that's about 1%. And they didn't say whether or not these were the breakthrough drugs that we're all waiting for or whether these were Me Too drugs. So I think we're going to be hearing a lot of, continue to hear a lot of arguments that may or may not be grounded in fact. And as we're pushing out positive information and education about what's in the law, we also need to be mindful of disinformation and go with that as well. As you said, Nancy, uh, lots of work still to do here. Let me get some final thoughts, uh, if we can, from both of you. Tricia, you want to go first here? Well, like Nancy, I have been uh, sort of observing and analyzing this issue for many, many years. And I think it is really extraordinary and sort of defied a lot of odds <laughs> that Congress was able to get this bill across the finish line. Uh, it was very controversial. It has been uh, aggressively opposed by some in the industry, but it will really have a, a major impact. Um, it is not everything that the advocates wanted. It is not as um, broad as the House bill that passed um, a bit earlier, but it is really a step forward. And it is an, uh, um, something that people have been working on for a long time. And I think it will make a difference in the lives of people, um, particularly people in Medicare. Nancy? Well, uh, as, as Tricia said, we've all been working on this a long time and uh, we're thrilled that we were able to make the progress we did. Um, uh, but we also recognize that there's a long road ahead. And the first part of that road is on education and talking to people about the benefits that they get from this. Um, and then also continuing to make sure that we don't have backsliding and that we can move on to, to other issues. I, I'm doing my planning for next year and this is the first time in a long time I haven't had federal prescription drug legislation at the top. <laughs> it's still on the list because we, we have to fight hard, but, um, but it's nice to be able to put some other things on the list. You know, Fred, I wanna congratulate uh, Nancy and Tricia for her leadership in this area. I mean, it's really impressive, the trust and the determination and the results. And I find when it's about saving money, the news does travel fast when you tell your friends. <laughs> so thank you, Fred. Well, we appreciate both of you for taking the time to be with us and for all of the great information. Are there places online that you wanna steer people to go to, to, to get more info, Tricia? We have data. So for the, the wonkier people who are listening, I would suggest, you know, some of the numbers Nancy used, I'm happy to say came from KFF, 
So we have data on how many people be helped. We looked at some of the drugs that might be subject to negotiation. We're tracking um, inflation, drug price increases as others are doing. And of course we have polling. But I think for people who are looking for what it means for them, um, probably AARP is gonna be a better place to go. I know, I imagine uh, the government will be putting out more sort of news you can use. And um, we'll probably do some of that ourselves, but I think, you know, I, I would probably turn to some, an organization like AARP whose bread and butter is providing information and edu educating their members. In many ways, uh, Nancy. Uh, AARP.org. Okay. Of course. And we thank the AARP for making this edition possible. AARP is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that empowers people to choose how they live as they age. Mary, before we go, we have some exciting news. While everyone can still find us at maryfurlong.com slash podcasts, we're also now being carried by Spiral 100. Yes, we're thrilled with this new partnership and that our programming and our podcast will be inside senior living communities and the news will get out and reach them. So this, we've been working at this for a while and we're thrilled with the integrity that Spiral brings to their programming and the distribution, so. Congratulations. Yeah, Mary, thank you. You know, you work hard enough, things happen, right? <laughs> Absolutely, the, web, the website for more info is home.spiral100.com. Individuals can, can subscribe there too. Thank you for being with us once again on What's Next, Living Longer, Better, Smarter.